In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. This week, to the delight of some and the consternation of others, the churches reopened. Rather, some did, because with the need of so much supervision to manage social distancing, to put chairs that visitors sit on into quarantine for 72 hours and sanitise anything that anyone touches, it was more straightforward for cathedrals and large churches with staff to reopen and smaller churches like ours who would need a small army of volunteers to do all this. We're working on how we can safely get back to St John's as soon as possible and keep everyone safe in the process. One of the churches that opened this week was Westminster Abbey and the moment was caught on film. The Dean, fully robed, stood by the tomb of the unknown soldier, flanked by the cannons in their distinctive red cassocks. And he prayed Thomas Ken's prayer that is pinned up just inside our church door and that we like to think he may have written when he was rector of St John's. Oh God, make the door of this house wide enough to receive all who need human love and fellowship and a heavenly father's care and narrow enough to shut out all envy, pride and hate. Make its threshold smooth enough to be no stumbling block to children or to straying feet, but rugged enough to turn back the tempter's power. Make it a gateway to thine eternal kingdom. Amen. Then the Dean turned to face the great west doors, standing reverently as the stewards opened them. Light flooded into the building. The bells rang out, and in walked a solitary tourist, welcomed as though she was one of the visiting ruling dignitaries that the Abbey frequently receives. It was a beautiful moment. Tourists are generally herded through a side entrance, but here was the Dean and Chapter enacting the Abbey's Benedictine heritage and receiving this solitary guest as though she was Christ indicating, perhaps, what the spiritual priorities of this Dean, who is new to the job, are going to be. It did make me wonder what we think our churches are for. In a time of exile from them, and as we begin to think of returning to them, it's a good question to ask ourselves. And our Gospel reading, which is a continuation from last week, of Jesus' message to his disciples, preparing them to go out on a mission, may give us some clues. It's a troubling passage, speaking as it does of the likelihood of disruption, violence and family division. These are quite extraordinary results for preaching the kingdom of God. But Jesus says these are the kinds of things disciples should expect. It seems a million miles away from our experience of church, where we expect to find warmth, friendship and uplifting worship. A priest friend of mine says that when she reads passages like this, 
She can't help but think Jesus would not have made a good parish priests and how tiny the regular congregation would be if this is what the sermons were like. Anxious about declining numbers and dwindling significance in public life, churches today are coming up with endless new initiatives to make themselves more appealing, to be seen as relevant to contemporary culture. But this is to misunderstand what the church is. Measuring the church's vitality by our customary standards of success, prosperity, security, influence and position, is to see the church as a superior kind of human organisation with added spiritual benefits. The kingdom that the disciples are sent out to preach is not a more successful version of the way the world works, but a complete alternative to it. The world into which Jesus sent those disciples was dominated by the Roman Empire with its ruthless enforcement of power and control, its burden of taxes to maintain its economic and military strength and its swift disposal of rebels. We may think our world is very different, but we too are dominated by an empire's values of fear, greed and control. The empire of consumer entitlement, economic advantage, and as we have recently been made aware, racial privilege. These are the things that exert power over our world today and lead us to self-protecting and exclusive practices that are a denial of the gospel and have no place in the kingdom of God. Like the disciples, the church today, small and powerless as we may feel, is sent into the world to be a living contradiction to the values of our dominant culture. In a society that is increasingly inhospitable to outsiders, unforgiving to those who deviate from its rules, and ungenerous to those who do not meet its calculations about merit and qualification, we are called to model the hospitality, forgiveness and generosity of God to be a living sign of the God of the gospel, whose grace disrupts even our most cherished institutions, and to model an alternative existence that is grounded in God's gift. Of course, all this is fraught with danger for those novice disciples, as it always is for those who would disrupt the status quo. Dominant powers, do not like to be challenged. Bishop Thomas Ken, our former rector, lived a life of great simplicity and boldly challenged three monarchs, Charles II for his marital infidelity, James II whose edicts he refused to read in church, and William of Orange whose claim to the throne he denied. This cost him dear, and he became homeless 
and jobless. Disciples always risk losing security and comfort, but Jesus promises that what we lose will be as nothing compared to what we will find. We may well experience a Good Friday, but if we do, we know that Easter Sunday will come. If we are being broken, it is so that the blessing of newness may come. At the start of this virus, so many said they hoped we wouldn't simply go back to life as normal, because life as normal wasn't working for most people most of the time. As we heard Jesus say last week, the harvest is plentiful. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. We are not short of opportunity. As we pray and plan for our return to St John's, let us ask God to show us how to be a church that will indeed be wide enough to receive all who need human love and fellowship and a Heavenly Father's care and pray that all who come to the door of our lives find them to be a gateway to his eternal kingdom. Amen.